Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teaching from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by our sermon series, Difference Makers, Women Chosen by God. Learn with us about how often overlooked women make a difference in the world around them through the power of God. Find out more about this or any of our sermons at www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. Good morning. Hey, I like the contemporary worship, but I hope you guys never lose that organ. You know? There's something about those deep notes that just make you feel the power of God. That's maybe it's just me. You know? Normally, when I uh, share the word, I'm on the street. And normally, when I share the word, I get a little nervous. So, but on the street, normally when I share the word, somebody was yelling at me. So, if you see me get nervous and you feel like yelling at me, It'll make me feel at home. (laughs) All right, just give me a second. Why don't you find Luke 2 in your Bibles while I get set up here? It's awesome. It's really awesome to be here. And we love you guys. You do a great job of supporting us on the street. With all the people you send and the provision, it really matters. It really does. You bless a lot of people. All right. Let's get into it. So I understand that you are in a series. um, You're looking at the women chosen by God. All right. So let's pray to receive the word, and then we'll get into some scripture. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for making yourself known to us for showing us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. Lord, we ask that you would teach us through your word that we may be ready to serve you for your glory and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. All right, we're going to start in verse 22 in chapter 2 of Luke. Let's, uh, if you feel like standing while I read the word, that would be great. If you can't, go ahead and sit. All right. Um, but I think standing is good. Okay, verse 22. When he came, I'm sorry, when, sorry, and when the time came, you need, that's when you need to yell at me. <laughs> hey, that's wrong. Oh, sorry. Okay. So when, he, when time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that's Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it was written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolidation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see his death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles 
and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanel, from the tribe of Asher. And she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she uh, was a virgin. And then, as a widow until 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and uh, with prayer, I'm sorry, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and speaking of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Okay, you can sit. So in verse 22, we see the beginning of the presentation of Jesus at the temple. Now this was actually done so that Jesus could fulfill every aspect of the law. This was in response to Leviticus 12, verses 1 through 8. Referring to the purification of the mother, the dedication of the baby, um, and here we see that traditional sacrifice for a very poor family, two turtle doves or two pigeons. That was the purification offering. Now, thankfully, and as expected, Mary and Joseph were devout believers, right? Obedient to God, they obeyed God's commands. Now, Simeon devoted himself touched by the Spirit of God, was at the temple. Now, <clears throat> he was aware that God had shared with him that he would not pass on to glory until he saw the Messiah. And there may have been rumors, there may have been rumors moving around that the Messiah was there, right? The, certainly the um, news of John the Baptist's birth was well uh, was well shared in the area. The shepherds who had that angelic message were most likely keeping temple flocks, and they probably shared the news as well. But it was not rumors that had Simeon appear that day. It was the Spirit of God. Simeon was a man that knew how to be led by the Spirit of God, hearing God's promise and being prompted to head up to the temple. That prophecy for him was filled with love from God and for his Savior. And he hardly knew Jesus, but he had a great love for him. We know so much more about Jesus. We should love him so much more. Amen? Now, imagine being able to lay eyes on the Messiah as a baby, right? Finally knowing, right, this is it. This is the Messiah. He is here, right? What he must have felt. And he had the peace of seeing God's promise fulfilled in his lifetime. And what a joy that must have been for him. It was as if he was asked to keep a lonely watch during the night, right, and suddenly saw the Lord's sunrise. And seeing that sunrise, he knew he could be relieved from his station. That's a beautiful thing. Now, <clears throat> the father and mother of the Lord, Mary and Joseph, they marveled at what was said about him. And we can imagine, we can imagine their, their joy and surprise at hearing that the Lord had touched other people's hearts in regards to their son, right? It is always wonderful to know the Savior 
but it's always, it's so much sweeter to see someone, for me at least, to see someone like come to the point of the knowledge of Jesus, that's amazing, right? So I imagine that's some of the joy that they have probably felt. Now here in verse 36, we're introduced to Anna, a prophetess. She too, touched by God, and looking for the redemption of Israel, looking for the Messiah, right, at this specific time is also called to bring forth a specific word about Jesus, to testify of him to all that were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, this also is a great honor. Now, I wonder, I wonder, what, what would the life be that would bring on such a blessing like that, right? To be able to be given such a wonderful task. What type of life? So, this is, and this is a child, right? She's introducing a child, but not just a child, but the Messiah. It's amazing. So, here we have the source material for our study today. We're going to look at Anna and her dedication, her devotion to God, right? Now, we have three verses that refer to Anna. And when Don told me I was going to be teaching about Anna, I was like, oof. I got three whole verses to pull from. And I was like, Lord, you got to work here. You got to work. And he, and he did. He did. All right, so we have three verses, right? It doesn't seem like much, but the Holy Spirit's got quite a bit to teach us through his dear work, his, his work in dear Anna. So thank you, Lord, for doing that. All right, three verses. They reveal so much. Look, um, this godly woman served our Lord with such dedication and devotion we don't have to read into this very, very deep to see some of the things that Anna did. Anna's close walk, her close walk with the Lord was evidenced by the fact that when she saw the Messiah, she knew him as a baby, right? <laughs> now, you, that takes a very close relationship with God. How many people internally worry just a little bit if Jesus showed up, you may not recognize him right away. You know, I, I do. <laughs> like, you know, like I, I study the Bible every day. I serve every day. I, you know, I pray every day, right? But there are, there are times like, wow, if he, if he was like standing here today, I wonder if I would just know. His, his word says we would, right? But I would hope that my life was in a position that I would. So first, she knew him when she saw him. Right? Her love for him and her people was evidenced by her desire to just share that news the minute that she saw. That's amazing. Now, those traits alone are enough to say Anna was dedicated, right? Just those two things. She knew him when she saw him, and she wanted to tell everybody about him. That's, that's enough, right? But we're going to take a good look at Anna and the Lord's work in her what that can teach us about dedication or devotion or devoted life. So I teach from the ESV, and I study from the ESV, and I checked a couple other translations, and I can tell you that dedication, dedicated, devout, devotion, are not in the verses that refer to Anna, but it's displayed there for sure, right? Now, being Bible students, we, the first thing we might do is look at her name, 
I know that there's a Wednesday group here that had the study. So Anna's name means, say it again, grace, good, right? Right, so full of grace or favor, good job, good job on that. All right, now, <clears throat> based on what we've already reviewed, it would seem that that name was well suited to her. Now, we can pull some other attributes of Anna from these passages. Let's look. So first, you can go ahead and look at your Bible, right? First, in verse 36, I think, we can see that Anna was a prophetess, right? That's a title. Then she was a Jew from the tribe of Asher, a widow. She was elderly. She was focused on God, and she was seemingly always in the temple worshiping with fasting and prayer. Now look at verse 37. Now certainly just that verse, that verse alone could be the evidence of her devotion. She was always there, right? Worshiping with fasting and prayer. But let's dig deeper. First thing we learn about Anna in these passages was that she was a prophetess, okay? Now um, obviously a prophetess is a female uh, prophet, right? Now the word prophet, comes from the Greek prophets, which means spokesman. So a prophet is a spokesman for God, right? A vo the voice of God. A woman prophet would be a spokeswoman, okay? So Anna spoke for God. That's amazing. All of our lives should be in the position where we have an opportunity to speak for God. Now, a faithful prophet or prophetess in this case was one, regardless of whether they were listened to or not, spoke everything that the Lord gave them to speak. They did not add to it and they didn't subtract from it, right? And there are several prophetesses, that's a hard one, mentioned in the Bible, actually 11, and, and it's Miriam in Exodus 15 and Deborah in Judges 4, uh, Hulda in uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 22, the wife of Isaiah in uh, Isaiah 8, Anna here, and then the four daughters of Philip in Acts 21. Now, on top of the fact that Anna was a prophetess, she was one of a handful of people chosen to announce the birth of the Messiah. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. I mean, bringing the word of God is pretty awesome, and if you get the opportunity to do that in your life, you should feel blessed, right? That's an opportunity to, to really be blessed by the Lord. But to be just in that small handful of people that got to announce, he's here. That's a, that is an honor. This is a woman who lived a life that was worthy of that honor. Now, <clears throat> to be a prophetess, that, that is a very high calling. That is a very high calling. The Bible tells us that that's an office that Jesus himself established. Now, <clears throat> did that title, here's a question, you can answer it in your head, did that title create dedication in her? Did it produce this devout woman? Or this devotional life? Right, frankly, the answer is no. It's likely the other way around. It's likely that Anna's dedication affirmed her ability to hold that title. Now, <clears throat> it was her devout life and her dedication to the Lord and her faith that affirmed that role. 
And that's a reward for a dedicated life. And I did a little research because I was interested. I did a little research on the common traits of male and female prophets, and here are some of the top ones. So the first one is um, obviously they're spokesmen or women for God. They're the voice of God. Okay, so that's, they all had that in common. They're all committed to truth, students of the word, obedient, wise, and holy. Those are traits that all prophets share. Now, um, all of those traits, except for the first, are traits that should belong to a dedicated believer. Someone with a devout life, a life focused on devotion to God, will be committed to the truth. Right? There's no deceit in that person. Right? Students of the word, you're in the book. Right? Obedient, you're following the book. Right? Wise, you've got knowledge, yes, but you have a history of good application of that knowledge, right? And you're living right. You're, you're living a holy life. Now, the voice of God, that comes along with that title. That's a perk of being a prophet or a prophetess. All right? And Jesus reminded us, listen to this. Jesus reminded us in Matthew 22, 37 and 38. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul with all your mind, this is the great and the first commandment. The first thing I want to teach you about dedication and the first thing that we can learn about dedication is that dedication is not just about obedience, okay? Dedication is not just about understanding responsibility. Dedication is firstly and foremost about love, okay? the love of God, right? That must be present. That makes sense? Okay, good. Now, she was a Jew from the tribe of Asher, and we, I just need to review this because it's part of the scripture. So Anna was a, true from, a Jew from the tribe of Asher. Asher was one of Israel's 12 tribes, right? Asher was Jacob's eighth son, right? His, his mother was uh, Zilpah, uh, Leah's maidservant, Okay, and the tribe of Asher, there was nothing specifically like that jumped out in the tribe of Asher. They were blessed by God. They did some good things. They failed sometimes, okay? But generally, they, they did their best to follow the Lord. Now, Anna was also a widow. Now, as a widow, Anna knew pain and loss, obviously, right? Um, but the thing about Anna is she didn't become bitter, right? She remained in service to the Lord, as an elderly woman, she had not lost her hope, and she had not lost her purpose. That reminds me of my mom, Carol. Right? If you, if you, you guys probably know her, but if you don't know her, you should get to know her, because you'll, you'll be blessed. She's a woman of the Lord. Now, um, looking back to verse 36, in the King James Version, it tells us that Anna was married extremely young. Okay, and this is following the, the primacy of the divine command given in Genesis 128. It says, be fruitful and multiply. All right? In Bible times, this marriage could have occurred any time from the age of 13 to the age of 20. Okay, so Anna was married young. Sadly, right, Anna was also widowed young. The Bible tells us she, she was only in that marriage for seven years. And she apparently lived the rest of her life as a widow. But she did not lose her purpose. She did not 
lose her hope, she still dedicated her life to the Lord. Now we know that the Lord has a special place in his heart for widows. There are many verses in the Old Testament that talk about the treatment of widows and how widows are supposed to be cared for and protected. And based on these statements, we also know that Anna was probably also lacking family, right? If the family was large enough, she would have been cared for by other people and she might have been remarried. Now, <clears throat> in the New Testament, widows are given special consideration, right? Proper religious work, according to the Lord, right, involves caring for widows and orphans, right? So God has deep compassion for those who are left alone, and his church is to demonstrate the same compassion. And thank you, Father, for that. Now, if a widow had no one to care for her, she could receive support from the church, but there were requirements, which I appreciate, right? There were requirements. And some of the requirements were she had to be in good standing with the Lord, right? She ought to be a woman of prayer, a dedicated servant of the Lord, more than 60 years of age, faithful to her husband when he was alive, committed to good deeds and caring for children, showing hospitality, and serving God's people all of which Anna clearly was, right? Those are all traits of Anna, traits of her dedication. Anna had a title in the temple, and was there at the temple apparently all day and all night. Now, we're not supposed to read that like she never left, right? But we're supposed to read that like if you traveled up to the temple to do some business, you would not be surprised to see Anna there because she had a deep love for the Lord. She was dedicated. And this was apparent in her actions even as a woman was searing loss. Even though Anna was a prophetess, her actions, the way that she lived her life clearly displayed her dedication. And she was devoted to the church and that was well known. And we can make these determinations. These are not assumptions. We can make these determinations because she was at the temple, because she held the title, because she was in good standing with the church. She was doing the things that she needed to do. Okay? Now, we also find out that Anna was a worshiper. All right, this is another trait of a dedicated follower of the Lord. As a widow, now Anna would have been very dependent upon the church for her care, right? Actually upon God and God's church for her care. And the church would have supported her. And 1 Timothy 5.5 says, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplication and prayer night and day. And she did that. Now, this Hebrew, this Hebrew, actually, the Hebrew and the Greek word for supplication, right, both literally mean a petition or a request. So, um, widows were expected to be at the church, right, making a request to the Lord. Right? You might think it was making a request for the Lord for help, for provision, for care of their lonely heart, right? But Anna, I'm sure, was true to that, right? But because also she held that title prophetess, she no doubt knew the Lord's great heart for those, for, for those left alone, for, for the widows. She knew that. I bet, I bet there weren't a lot of 
requests from Anna in regards to her care. Now, as a prophetess, she'd be sitting with the Lord often in prayer. Now, this word worshiping in verse 37 is translated not singing as, as some may think, right? Not even prayer. It's actually translated as serve or to be in service to or worship, okay? I'm sure you're all aware, right? Service, true service that comes from your heart and that's placed properly is worship to God, right? This was Anna. This was Anna. Hebrews 12, 28 says, we must serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now that Greek word translated serve there in Hebrews 12, 28, right, is the same Greek word for worship used in verse 37. All right, and this word is used 21 times in the New Testament in the context of service and worship, okay? True biblical worship, it must be reverent. You must know who you're worshiping, right? Service without God is nothing but doing nice stuff, right? If we went into Trenton and God wasn't involved, it would be good deeds and that, that's it. And we would have quit a long time ago. <clears throat> We have to understand that we are sinners, saved by grace, right, because of a holy God that loved us, based upon our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians 2.8 says this, For grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, but it is a gift from God, right? There is no room for pride in adoration to your Lord, Right? We must worship in truth. John 4, 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth, right? Unless we have an accurate knowledge of God, there is no worshiping in truth. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, so knowing this in worship is proper devotion. All right? Those who wish to worship biblically should pay attention to Anna. Now, she no doubt recognized that worship involves more than externals, right? She understood that God sees the heart, right? You can stand up there and look great, right? Waving your hands and throwing your hands up to the Lord, but God knows. If in your heart, if you're in your heart, you're going, well, that was off key. This could be louder, you know. I admit I'm there sometimes, right? But the reality is we should snap ourselves back and be like, sorry, Lord, sorry. So she knew, she knew that the Lord could see the heart, right? Anna's worship was not about music, though, although music is often used by, by worshipers. True worship is about God, right? We reverence and honor and adore him. Not because of what he's done for us, but because of who he is, right? Anna knew this, and her love for him, her ability to recognize him was evidence in her devotion, right? Worshiping with fasting. It's not worshiping, comma, fasting and prayer. It's worshiping with fasting, with fasting and prayer, 
okay? This type of worship can produce a change of heart, a dedication, right? Worship so sincere that you actually coming out loving God more for what he provided to you within it, right? Worship, I just want to say this, worship is never, never about us, never about us, right? I give you permission. Sorry, Don, I give you permission. Don may not like this. I give you permission that if you walk out of service and you hear somebody complaining about the worship, you can just tap them on the shoulder and go, that's okay, it wasn't for you anyway. All right? This is about God, right? True worship leads to the conviction that worship is a lifestyle. It's not a moment in time. It's not just for Sunday mornings. Like Anna, our lives are to be dedicated to worship in service to our God, right? It's more than a temporary experience. It's more than a, an experience that's, that is uh, oriented for Sunday, right? When we revert back to our normal life, you should still be worshiping. When you crack open that Bible in the morning and the early a.m., the first words that come out of your mouth should be, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word. Now, like God's girl, Anna, worshiping is to happen day and night. Amen? All right, true worship is consistent, right? It is the inner praise of God expressed in prayer, in song, in service, in giving, and in living. Amen? Good. All right, now fasting. Fasting is a part of worshiping, and uh, Anna completed her worship with fasting, right? And fasting is a great spiritual exercise, right? How many people in here, show of hands, have fasted for God? Okay, come on, people. This is, this is you know, it is not required, but if you want to be close to God, this is important, Right? Out of those show of hands, how many people have fasted for 24 hours? Raise your hand. Right. How many people have fasted for more than 24 hours? 48? Cool. More than 48? Okay. Look, it's important. Listen, at the age of 84, and is fasting, right? So don't let your physical things slow you down, right? You can do it. And it could do it, right? Now, fasting is a theology, Okay, it's a theology of priorities in which believers, okay, are suppressing their own body and the needs of their own body, right, and saying, I'm pushing back the things of the world and I'm going to focus on you alone, God. Right? How, how many people here are married? Raise your hand. Okay? How many people would like a devoted time from your spouse just to be focusing on you? Right? I mean, God wants that, right? If you truly love God, you want to give him that. And he'll bless you for it. He will bless you for it. Right? Fasting is about denying yourself and the world to enable a better focus on God. A lot of people. And it takes dedication to fast. You know? It, <laughs> it takes dedication to fast. It does. And fasting is not a burden. It's not a duty. Fasting should be a celebration. I'm going to spend a day focusing on my God. 
I'm not, it shouldn't be, Lord, I'm suffering for you today. I'm so hungry. You know, it should be, Lord, I'm honoring you today. You know? So Ezra fasted, Esther fasted, David fasted. The entire city of Nivea fasted. Jesus fasted 40 days. And Anna too fasted. Dedication. This is dedication. Right? Okay, so you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by our girl Anna? She's pretty impressive, yeah? Yeah, well, good. If you're not, good for you. You're doing well, I guess. But, like, for me, I read this. I was like, Anna's putting me to shame. She's got some traits. All right. So, look, um, the final attribute of Anna that I want to talk about. That's displayed in verse 38. Verse 38 says, And coming up from that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna, Anna was an evangelist. She's got a serious resume. So Anna comes up from that on that hour, provoked to head up to the temple by the Spirit of God, and she sees a baby and knows it's the Christ. You've got to be impressed by that. <laughs> You've got to be impressed by that, right? And then she begins to give thanks. She's thankful, which is another trait of dedication. You can tell folks who are dedicated to the Lord by those that are, like, just always giving thanks. In verse 38, Anna begins to speak of Christ to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel or Jerusalem, sorry. And that effectively is all who are waiting for the Messiah. Now, an evangelist is someone who proclaims the good news. We do quite a bit of that in Trenton, right? What's the good news? The good news is the coming of the kingdom of God and the work of Jesus on the cross. Now, I told you that Ephesians states that, um, you know, this office of prophet was handed out by Jesus. This office of evangelist was handed out by Jesus as well. Ephesians 4.13 says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the, the apostles, <laughs> the apostles, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, right? You and me, we did not establish these offices, right? We just went, oh, that's a, definitely a pastor, and this is definitely a prophet, Right? We, all we did was affirm the work that Christ had already done. Which is a little mind-bending when you think about the fact that Christ created the office of prophet, but here he is as a baby. You know, like, it's probably, it would be a little mind-bending to me, I think. Um, but Anna could have been, you know, she was among one of, you know, one of the first prophets that was truly an evangelist in that office established by Christ that was out there sharing the kingdom of God is near and it's actually here. Imagine the joy that she felt. What a gift. What a gift. Absolutely uh, a gift given to a devout lady in love and dedication to the Lord. Anna was indeed remarkable. And look, it's important to remember that this is a study in a series about women chosen by God. Now, Anna was chosen. Amen? You'd agree? Yeah. Because her awesome dedication, her amazing devotion, Anna was moved 
and led and built up and brought to this amazing moment by a God that loved her, okay? And by a God that she loved and was dedicated to. God rewards dedication. Do you believe it? I'm sorry? Okay. God rewards dedication. You know, I guarantee there's stuff this church needs done. All right? I'm guaranteed that there are ministries just waiting to be birthed here, right? Anna was dedicated to God, his work to his church and in service to him. And God rewards dedication. Anna was dedicated. Now, this, this dedication that we've seen in Anna, dedication, let's just get to the heart of that word for one second and I'm closing up here. Um, probably another 10 minutes, but I'm, I'm getting to it. All right, so the dedication is loyalty, allegiance, right? Being committed to a purpose with energy, vitality, vigor, showing drive, ambition, right? Devoting time, effort, resources, energy, an organized course of action to achieve a goal, it's the state of seeking righteousness. It's the act of loving God. That's dedication. Dedication, again, is not just obedience. It's not just obedience, right? It's not just being attentive to tasks. I know all the tasks that need to be done. There, there are people at churches that no, all the tasks that need to be done, but nobody wants to work with them because they're, they're not really focused on God. They're just focused on the tasks that need to be done. That, and that is difficult to see. Right? Anna wasn't dedicated to work. She was dedicated to God. Amen? Right? Her sustainer, her provider, her protector, the lover of her soul the one that gave her purpose, and the one that saved her. And his devotion was focused on God and fueled by God's love. Now, now I'm really gonna close. So how do we do this? How do we achieve dedication in the Lord? All right, so I examined these traits. I came back with three verses that I think that sum this up. And I'm gonna give you uh, just a little block of scripture that you can study for yourself, but let me run through these three verses quickly and then we'll end, All right? So, here are three verses that we can use for guidance. First, Deuteronomy 6.5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your might. Right? Anna loved the Lord. In life, the things that matter, matter because of love. In ministry, love is the driving force. If there's no love, there's no ministry. So to help us to establish dedication to God in our lives, we need love, right? A true love for him. And here's second verse, Colossians 3:17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Anna dedicated her life to serve the Lord. The true believer lives her or his life their, all, their entire life for Jesus, 
Not for Jesus in sports, not for Jesus in track, right? Not for Jesus and my job, not for Jesus and my body, right? For Jesus. You live your life for Jesus. That is your focus, right? And you will endure the difficulty of doing such things knowing that Jesus did the same and understanding when it gets hard, you cling to Jesus. So to help us establish dedication to the Lord in our lives, we need to choose to live for him. All right, third and final verse is Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God in the present, of, uh, present your body, sorry, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Anna lived her life as an offering to Christ. And her spiritual worship was, was clear in her devotion and her dedication to the Lord. Realize, folks, that Anna was enabled to achieve this dedication because of the mercies of God. Not of her own doing, right? But because she loved God, God loved her so. His mercies enabled it. And she truly desired it. She wanted it. All right, so um, just, I'm gonna go keep going a little, this is, I got one page, one page. So um, this is what God wants of us honestly, right? God wants us honestly to present ourselves to him. That's what he wants, right? And we want this too, right? We do. Even if you think you don't, you do. Your soul cries out for God. Right, so to help us establish dedication to the Lord in our lives, to we have to understand this is what the Lord desires. Okay? All right, so how do we get there? So that's how we do it, right? How do we get there, and then we're done. Okay, I told you I'd give you a block of scripture to consider for yourself. It's Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. You can't miss it. The title says, Instructions on Living Like a Christian. Okay? You can't miss it. All right, so there's, I, I broke it down real quick to 10 because I knew I was going to be long after this. So we love the Lord. We love the Lord. We repent and live to the Lord's precepts, right? His commands. We put off the old self. We put on the new self. Remember who you are, right? God loves you. He chose you, right? We speak in truth, his truth, no deceit, no lying, right? We get humble. We serve the church. We serve each other. We love one another. We forgive. We cast off resentment, no anger, no bitterness, no sarcasm. Sorry, New Jersey. Just throw <laughs> right? No sarcasm, all right? We build others up. We give grace as freely as it was given to us. Don't you dare judge your brother and sister in this church. Don't you dare. This is your family. Right? Be kind and tender. Okay, that's great guidance. So let's study it. So it's simple enough, right? Simple enough. There's only, I don't know, 10, 15 things you need to figure out how to do forever for the rest of your life without stopping. Um, so maybe that's a lot. It is a lot, all right? But because, look, God is good. He wants to bring you all the way. Believe it. God is good. He wants to bring you all the way, right? 
All right, so maybe that's too much. So just today, let's work on today, right? Today, let's just think about Anna and her devotion, all right? Think about Anna and her devotion and ask yourself this question. Am I as devoted? Just ask that. Am I as devoted? Where do I need to improve? Right? Ask the Lord. He loves you so. He'll, he'll show you. He'll show you. Lord, help me be dedicated to you. Lord, just help me live a devotional life. Lord, help me learn how to be devout. Amen? All right, let me just pray for that, for the word. So, God, thank you, Lord, for just giving us your word and giving us the example of Anna. Lord, thank you for teaching us through the work that you've done in her. Lord, wow, she was dedicated. And God, we desire to be that dedicated. Lord, you've given us this church and this body. Lord, you've given us elders and pastors to help us along the way. Lord, let us be a people, especially in this church, Lord, that has a desire to be dedicated to you. Understanding, Lord, that you've given us this church not just to congregate, Lord, so, but so that we could gather together, be strengthened in you, and go out into the world to share the good news. God, you have built something amazing here. Lord, we ask for your blessings upon it, for all the pastors that are here, Lord, for the elders as well, God, that your anointing would rest here, that the spirit of peace would rest here, Lord. Bless these people. Bless us as we continue to think about your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I'm supposed to invite you. So, please, really, we work really hard, and we would love to show you what the Lord has given us to help the people in Trenton, and we would love for you to get comfortable in those vehicles so that you all come out with us as well. So, after church, whatever you do after your church stuff, come and see us down there, okay? All right. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.